field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High knee He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the planet each week according to PodTrack.com. The Red Sox sort of wrapped up what ended up being a two-game set with the Toronto Blue Jays, splitting uh, the two games one apiece, still currently last place in the American League East standings. News out of Fenway, not much. Thursday night's game canceled. Decision was said to be unanimous amongst the players. Several other games were also canceled across the league. No word on whether or not this game will be made up. The Blue Jays are in the playoff race, so I would be sort of surprised if they do not uh, try to get it in at some point. News from around the league. Yankee slugger Aaron Judge had a setback with his previously injured calf muscle during the Braves-Yankees doubleheader in which the Yankees were swept. Manager Aaron Boone uh, said another IL stint is not being ruled out. The Toronto Blue Jays have acquired Taiwan Walker from the Seattle Mariners. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine, and I'm joined tonight from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you? I'm good. Would have liked to see some baseball tonight, but sometimes just things bigger than sports. So, got to do what you got to do. They did what they felt they had to do. Uh, Also joining us tonight from the Mile High City of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? Doing good, guys. Just getting ready for this trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, you're the prospect guru of the podcast. I know Jason gets into it quite a bit, but this is like one of the biggest weeks of the year for you as a baseball fan. I'm excited. I mean, under normal circumstances, the Red Sox wouldn't be, you know, like 10 games under 500 and selling everything. But yeah, we get to rebuild the farm system and get a look at what the future might be. Hopefully, Hopefully a little bit brighter. Hopefully. So normally we would get into studs and duds, but given the fact it was kind of a weird split series, I think tonight we'll just do a deep dive into what to expect in the coming days, um, you know, as far as trades go, who's going to 
be here, who might not be. I have some quotes I want to get to from Sam Kennedy, if you can bear with me. I have had a, a device issue, so hopefully the the listening audience won't pick up on a lot of it. But but in regards to speculation that, you know, Bogarts, Devers, some of the more unlikely candidates that the Red Sox fans would would probably prefer to retain. Sam Kennedy had these quotes. He said, oops, I'm on John Heyman. I'm a minor league podcaster, by the way. Uh, Kennedy says, uh, we are working toward a much improved 2021. We are still trying to win ball games like we did last night, which was the first game of the Toronto series. Uh, Kennedy says, and while we have a willingness to listen to different offers and the phones are ringing, lots of conversations are going on. I think Red Sox should know that you need a core of your team, preferably homegrown talent. Guys like Xander Bogarts, Rafi Devers, and now we've got Alex Verdugo in the mix and Christian Vasquez. Guys that have won here in Boston and want to be in Boston and players we want to be in Boston. So that kind of, that's comforting to everybody in the don't trade these guys camp, which I think I can confidently say on behalf of you guys, we're we're in that camp as well. We don't want to move these guys. Not even close. I mean, if you're moving these guys, then you're going for a complete rebuild. It's not retooling. It's just rebuilding. I mean, why are you going to get rid of the left side of your infield, which you can have for the next four or five years? Why are you going to get rid of a catcher that's regarded as one of the best defensive catchers in baseball and is stepping up offensively the past couple of years? And why are you going to get rid of an outfielder that's been literally your only bright spot of 2020? Those just wouldn't make sense to me if unless you're going for a complete rebranding of the whole franchise plain and simple yeah if you get rid of devers and verdugo you're hoping to get guys back that might turn into devers and verdugo these guys are not even 25 and I mean, they're not 35 year old players that are on their last legs and you know they might just help out a team for a couple months and someone be willing to spend these guys are 10 plus year uh hopefully staples in your organization you, you can't move those guys for sure um bogart bogarts i think you keep unless of course you're blown away which then you have to ask yourself some difficult questions but um if they got rid of either devers of her duo i would be pretty livid they are it, hard guys it, to replace yeah go ahead al in no way shape or form should you be trading xander bogarts learn your lesson from mookie betts I don't, and look at their return. Everybody complained about the return, and Verdugo's been good, but obviously he's not Mookie Betts, and everybody was complaining about that when the trade happened. Learn from your mistakes. Keep your core in place because otherwise you're looking at a couple years down the line before you start contending again. I'm sorry, but Xander Bogarts, even thinking about him being gone makes my blood boil. <laughs> I would need to be really overwhelmed, and even then I would be extremely conflicted about giving a guy – like him away, especially a guy who took a discount to stay here. You know, yeah, he's a Scott Boris guy and Boris guys want to go as far into the market as they can to squeeze every single dollar out of a prospective team. And 
Bogarts, right before opening day last season, called up his agent, Scott Boris, and said, I just want to stay with the Red Sox. Just give me the best deal you possibly can get, and let's try to keep me here in Boston. And it was kind of... I was stunned. I thought for sure Bogarts would go to free agency and test the market because his agent was Scott Boris. And if you remember back to the Veritech signing, he took a kind of a team-friendly deal back in 2005. And Boris was so mad that he didn't take the biggest offer that Boris didn't even go to his press conference announcing the re-signing. That's how mad he was. But not only does he get Devers the, you know, so-called team-friendly deal, he showed up, you know, he was the good agent, he supported what his player wanted, he spoke at the press conference, and I just feel like if Xander Bogarts is going to commit to us, they have to commit to him. Oh, by no means am I driving him to Logan. I was just (laughs) saying, if someone... If some team wanted to do something really stupid, then that's the only time you you got to ask yourself those tough questions. But yeah, I would love to see him have a future with this team. Uh, I think it's going to be probably third base in a couple of years. Uh, I mean, he's not exactly the world's greatest defender with the world's best range. But yeah, I mean, I would love it if he was a lifetimer. It, what, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, unless you, well, first things first, unless you're getting Frankie Lindor, then you should not want Xander Bogarts out of a Red Sox uniform and not even entertain other offers. That's no, I just one. said if someone wanted to do something really dumb. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody's doing anything really exactly. dumb. That's number one. But number two, did you just say Xander Bogarts is going to be at third base in the next couple of years? Did I hear that correctly? He might have to move him. I don't, I don't see I, him aging well. I, I don't agree with you he at all. Get to a lot of balls. I don't. I don't know about that one. I, I. I bet you on that one. Put it that way. I think in three years he's going to be at third. I, I mean, I really don't don't trust his uh, range going forward. Then he's, you're going to have to move Devers. Oh, I think he's going to be moved to first eventually. Anyways, well, here's my spin on it. I don't have Bogart's numbers up in front of me. He was definitely a negative defensive war last year, and I'm fairly certain he was the year before. So his defensive play is regressing a little bit. And he is only 27, so theoretically he could turn it around. But I'd hate to see the Red Sox go the Derek Jeter route and just keep him there because that's his position and he's always played there. And I think if they're willing to make Devers the full-time DH and just let him be the next coming of big poppy. I would, I would put Bogarts at first base. He's tall, you know, and if someone tries to airmail one over his head, I think he's got a decent chance to reel it in. He's not going to be gold glove, Mitch Moreland, but I think, I think first base is a potential, you know, position he could play. Are you forgetting about Tristan Cassis? That's six five. Well, he's uh he's been taking a lot of ground ground balls over at third base in Pawtucket since he's uh been elevated there the other day uh, last week. I, I don't know that that's a very I've I've seen some of your takes, Terry, and they've been bold before. That might be <laughs> one of the boldest ones I've ever heard you say. Not even gonna lie. 
Why can't he be converted, though? Why can't he be a left fielder? Because, well, you saw Hanley Ramirez, who played, what, third base, shortstop, and everything, and you tried to put him in left field. How did that experiment work out? Statistically, one of the worst seasons ever by an outfielder. It definitely was, but I don't think Hanley Ramirez even knew what planet he was on when he was out there. I mean, he was just yeah. that goofy and aloof. I just, I don't know. I just feel like... We don't. We haven't really seen Casas that much. It's interesting that that he's taking reps at third because maybe Devers is going to first. And I mean, he's got the arm for it. The kid was hitting ninety five, ninety six in high school when he'd be on the mound, so that's not going to be an issue. So as long as he can move a little bit uh, um, laterally, I, I, he he could probably pull it off. I mean. If you um, want to talk, if you want to talk Devers at first base, that's all well and good. That I can see. I just can't see Xander Bogarts shifting from shortstop and third base to first base. I know well, they I say corners can switch. If you ever move positions, I I, I think you would go over the third. Third, third is no. Well, third's fine because third. That's what he played before in 2013 with that World Series team. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I, I just don't see him as a first baseman in the future. Well, I okay. Well, I probably should have clarified right away. This isn't like a 2021 move, but it could be. No, no, no obviously not. It could be a 2024 right. move at this point. And so, I'm just. I hope they're open minded, and I hope Xander Bogarts is open minded because I want to be as defensively sound as we possibly can. And you know, you mentioned third base. Whether that's going to be for Bogarts or Casas. Third base is probably the least technical infield position. You're mostly knocking down drive. Uh, you're knocking down um, line drives. <laughs> I don't know why I struggled with that. And you're shipping it to second or first. You know, you're not really dealing with many force plays. Uh, you know, anything like that. You know, short, second. Those are very complicated positions. You know, lots of different scenarios and whatnot. You know, especially with righties and lefties. And, you know, I think first base, it seems like anybody gets converted to a, a first base, uh, you know, position, but, but I don't know. So anyway, but get it sticking with Bogarts for a second. John Heyman had some interesting comments on the big time baseball podcast with Tony Gwynn Jr., which I have heard snippets of, and it is kind of entertaining. I mean, Assuming you've already listened to our podcast, I give you permission to listen to others. But um, but he pegs the uh, Bogarts chance of a trade at 20%. That's interesting. Now, I've said 25%. That's what I gave on that other show. Just because I think when Bloom gets horny and you get the right prospects mentioned, I think Bogarts can get shipped. You know, there's been comments from the front office since then that, you know, kind of simmer that down a little bit. But this is what Heyman says. He says, I would say Bogarts has a shot to be traded. I'm going to put that at 20%. And he goes on. We'll talk. We'll give his we'll give his uh, Martinez quote uh, later on. But but here's what I'm thinking. We none of us like Heyman, you know. He's not Rosenthal. He's not passing, but I I don't doubt that he has sources. And would you put it past Heim Bloom or 
I forget his first name, O'Halloran or any of the upper brass in the front office to kind of give that to Heyman. For Heyman. No, I, I don't think they give to Heyman. Heyman's just a mouthpiece for Boris. So I think that's where it's coming from. I mean, I, I think the Red Sox probably talked to Boris and, you know, kind of they keep agents in the loop on these things. So I think that's where he gets it. Because, you know, every single winter, whenever Boris needs to – drum up some interest in a guy Heyman's like hey, oh mystery team guys watch out and he, he does it every single year so I think that's where the information's coming from I think it's the player agent here if you want my thoughts on just anything that has to come out of John Heyman's mouth as far as these guys getting traded rewind about 10 minutes ago to my comments about Devers and Bogarts and everything <laughs> they, sh- they and, and they shouldn't be traded I, I've written articles about it I wrote an article the other day actually about that specific quote from John Heyman. I said, J.D. Martinez, you can see it a little bit, especially if you're going to re not retool. If you're going to rebuild, then fine, get rid of his contract and he's aging anyway and a defensive liability. But if you want to win in the next year or two, keep him as the DH, hope he opts in, keep that middle of the bat presence, or sorry, middle of the lineup presence, and then go from there. And Bogarts, you should not get rid of in any way, shape, or form. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say that tonight. But keep Xander Bogarts in Boston, plain and simple. Well, I'm just talking about the buzz that's out there. And I, I think Andrew makes a good point. You know, maybe Boris did feed that to him. I have seen Heyman, though, quote the anonymous GM. So, again, that that's whether you want to take that at face value, it's, it's completely up to you. But I just feel like the Red Sox front office wouldn't mind – putting that out there to to a guy like Heyman and basically to to do the same thing to to get other teams to inquire just to see what the possible market would be for um for Xander Bogarts I I think I think they want to at least get the calls they want to know what the market is and I don't I said right away last fall when they hired Hein Bloom and, and the Mookie debate was still going on on whether he would get traded or whether or not they might finally be able to re-sign him. I told Red Sox fans, I said, Hein Bloom is not going to be your general manager if you want to keep guys like Mookie. And the other thing in the back of my mind, and again, I'm all for keeping Bogarts, but I'm I'm leaving no stone unturned here. There's language in his contract that essentially gives him 10-5 rights. Even though it's early, apparently Boris was able to work this into his contract. He has 10-5 rights that kick in on September 7th of this season. Now, for the listening audience, 10-5 rights are what a player gets when he's been in the league for 10 years in his current team for the last five. Once they have 10-5 rights, they have the power to veto any trade. Adam Jones did it with the Orioles a couple of years ago. They wanted to trade him to the Phillies at the trade deadline. And, and for personal reasons, I'm assuming Jones vetoed the the trade and he you know Baltimore had no choice but to keep him. So why that is significant is 
if the Red Sox really do want to unload the remaining money on Xander's deal, which not including the opt-out, I think he will have $80 million left on it. So if they're hell-bent on completely slashing as much payroll as they can going into this winter so that maybe they can sign a free agent or whatever, that that's a motivator. And... I, I just I don't think the Red Sox like the idea of you know of not having control over that situation. So I just I feel like those ten five rights, you know, could increase the likelihood of a trade. And because of that, I said this privately in our group chat. If Heyman's saying 25% or 20%, uh, I'm saying 40 because they're putting the feelers out there. I hope it doesn't happen, but I just, I guess I feel that it's, it's more likely than what a lot of other people believe. It, it's just, uh, I still find it just absurd to think about trading him. I know 10, five rights, all these other rights, you know, whatever, it may look good, try to replenish the farm system. I get all that. But again, this is just a guy that you need to keep around because he's going to be your unofficial, in air quotes, captain like David Ortiz was for years. And he's going to be a guy that's going to mentor younger players and be a catalyst on this Red Sox team for years to come. So you can, you can try to, you know, give me 10-5 rights and all these other scenarios, but you're not going to convince me anyway that Xander Bogarts, you know, has any shot of being traded until it actually happens. And when it happens, I will gladly say, like I've said many times lately, I was wrong. <laughs> Gun to my head, I think he's going to be here on Tuesday. Yeah, well, I hope so as well. You know, I I always put the threshold of more likely than not at 50%. So I'm under 50 right now. So I think more likely than not, he stays. But... I just, there are dynamics in play here that nobody else has on this team. And here's another thing to look at, and we'll, we'll get into J, JD in just a second. If Bogarts is traded and you shed that $80 million and then and then JD isn't here anymore, the only big money you have committed beyond this year is Chris Sale. That, that's another thing that I think is attractive to the front office. Uh, <laughs> even so, it's just you need that bona fide ace. And I know that we have our differences on Chris Sale. But when Chris Sale is healthy, Chris Sale is one of the best pitchers in the American League. And especially for what he had done before he came to Boston in Chicago and the numbers he was putting up in Boston – it may have been a little early, but John Henry didn't want to make the same mistake that he made with John Lester. So, I mean, if it means having an ace in the fold, you got to do it, right? You got to have, you got to pay somebody. You got to give somebody a decent chunk of change. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to trade sale. I'm just saying he's the only big money left. So, right. that, that I, just, I, they're going to have tons of flexibility, in other words. They're going to have flexibility, but no guarantee that they're going to be able to give that money to anyone. I mean, you can offer it, but you can't force anyone to take it. And if they're looking at a, if a free agent is looking at a roster with 
you know, Chris Sale now coming back to maybe July or August. No short. Zue Lin as your shortstop. Uh, Jose Peraza as your second baseman. Michael Chavis as your first baseman. Who knows behind the plate? They're not. They're not going to sign if there's comparable money somewhere else. So I don't know if the Red Sox would want to put themselves in that position where they have this minimal payroll and they're winning, you know, 60 games. Yeah, I, I guess I, I feel like um, we're, we're still not on the same page. But, you know, if Chris Sale's the only big money left, the rest of your team is probably collectively in the – $30 million range, let's say, and it might even be lower than that. So that's $55 million roughly on the books, and that gives you about $160 million to spend and and do that retool. So Yeah, that, I just don't know who they would give it to, honestly. Well, Trevor Bauer, George Springer? Yeah, I mean, you I could... Would, I don't want Springer, but Bauer, why would Bauer want to come here? He's going to have a market. Hey, listen, Trevor Bauer is one interesting guy. He could for very well sake just be like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Red Sox, and I'm going to see if I can help turn them around. You never know. This is the same guy we talk about with drones and stuff, too. So you never know with this guy. I think they can sign Trevor Bauer anyway if they wanted to, and especially if it's a one-year deal. I think they would even overpay if they think they have a chance to do it. But he given up a second round pick for a one year guy though. That's well true. Especially if you don't think you're gonna win the world, you know, make the playoffs. That's so tough. True. So who's gonna help you right now? A second round pick or Trevor Bauer? Who's gonna help you in the long run? Hey, you know what? It depends on what direction the team wants to go. That's why with JD Martinez in a sec, we're gonna have different thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it could also depend on the type of returns we get. You know, in the next week, if we get some hauls or, or guys that they're pretty happy with, then then maybe you consider giving up the the pick or whatever. But um, I'm just saying, let me make this point before we get to JD. Look at the Yankees right now; they're all banged up. They they can't win games when Garrett Cole starts. I would probably, two weeks ago, I would say the Yankees are the favorites to win the division next year because we're not looking that great, and you, you can never rule out Tampa. But but I don't know that, you know, if the Red Sox keep, keep Bogarts, at the very least keep Bogarts uh, of all the big names that can go, you still got Devers. You're going to have enough talent on this team that if you do have a formidable pitching staff and then you make a splash like Trevor Bauer, I don't see why we can't win the division. I know that sounds crazy right now, but I'm not in love with the Yankees and I don't trust Brian Cashman to make the right decisions that, that are going to make them a bona fide, you know, lockdown threat to win the division because Judge is going on the DL next year for probably at least two months out of the season. You know Giancarlo is going to be there for half or more of the season. They're, they need to make moves in their rotation. I mean, Paxton's gone, but they, they've got payroll issues as well. So I just – that team is is kind of a mess. You know, they're they're approaching – 
2018 where the Red Sox were, where they better win one because some of their current guys are just going to be a lot more expensive as they approach free agency. So, but but if those guys don't get hurt for the Yankees, let's say hypothetically Judge is healthy, Stanton's healthy, you have a healthy pitching staff, and the Red Sox still make some moves, which team do, are you still going to want? The Yankees fully healthy or the Red Sox revamped a little bit? You're going to want the Yankees, and I think we're discounting yes. Toronto here too. And Tampa. We forget about Tampa oh, too. I think Tampa, Tampa and the Yankees, I would have winning the same amount of games. I think it's head-to-head with Toronto, and Toronto might have a nose up. If all those three kids, all the former sons, uh, you know, they um, reach their potential, they're going to be monsters. Well, they got to have pitching, though. Uh, so, I, offensively, yeah, they're gonna they got a bunch of studs, but uh, you know, we'll see. I don't know what their farm looks like. Maybe they have someone. I know they have Ryu for another year or two. Uh, his durability, you know, would be a concern to me. But uh, you know, they if they build up the rotation and they are looking for upgrades, by the way, and they did get Taiwan Walker today. If they can get like a Clevenger type guy from the Indians. Then you could be right. You might be on to something. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. But we have we have gone into seasons, though, with the Red Sox with lower expectations and done well. 2013 is obviously the best example of that. But, um, you know, so I, I just – I wouldn't rule anything out. If the chemistry is good and we're balanced – I mean, look at that 2013 team for a minute. You have Lester and Lackey. Lester's a borderline ace. I could go either way if he is or he isn't. But, you know, he's a top-of-the-rotation guy. And then you got Lackey. Then you got fragile Clay Buckholtz, who went on the DL for a cuddling injury. Um, And (laughs) and then the bullpen looked great going into that year. I, I can't say anything bad about that. They all crapped the bed, and then Koji emerged, luckily. But, I mean, that was a team that wasn't really great in any one area, but they were really good in all of them. So we I think they had a little more motivation, too, than a normal team would under the circumstances of what happened right at the beginning of the year, too. So I think that kind of gave them a little bit of a, a, little bit of a boost throughout and probably made them exceed those expectations. Well, they did come off of the Bobby Valentine year, and John Farrell was a popular guy at the time. So, Which is shocking to think about in this day and age. Yeah, the pitching staff was really thrilled that they hired him. And truth be told, so was I. I thought, man, this is going to be an extension of the Francona era. And oh, that, I was too. I was, I was ecstatic when they signed him. Yeah, I was or like... They traded for him. Sorry, traded they did. I forget. Yeah, we traded Mike Avilas for him. And I just, I thought it was going to be great. And that's that's a classic example of be careful what you wish for. When they didn't fire him after getting swept by Cleveland, I knew we were doomed in 2017. We got into the postseason and I just knew he wasn't going to be able to get them through it. And you had the the Eckersley drama and and... David Price was mouthing off in spring training about Red Sox fans, and then the magic elbow thing cropped up. 
And Lou Marloni had the quote of the year that year. And it was around the time of the Eckersley incident. He said, if the Red Sox aren't tough enough to take criticism from Dennis Eckersley, they're not tough enough to win in October. And we weren't. We won one game. And then we, the Astros were cheating, you know, probably. But but still, I mean, that we, we kind of knew we were going to lose that series going into it. We knew we were the underdogs anyway. And I don't know why we even got on that, but oh, because Farrell should have been canned, you know, earlier. And like I said, it, if I ended up next to Dave Dombrowski on an airplane, that would be the one question I would have for him. Why did you bring back John Farrell? Like what sense? I think it was forced on him by ownership. That, that's my theory. And Right after we got swept by Cleveland, they they all had the the press conferences, you know, before everybody departed, you know, for the for the winter. And Farrell, they send him out first. He has no idea what his job status is, and he just answers the questions as best as he can. And he's not wearing a Red Sox shirt, by the way. He was wearing like a plain shirt that was like he would wear out to dinner or something, and. And then Dombrowski comes on second, and it was only as they were literally in passing, as Dombrowski was going to the podium, he says to John Farrell, oh, by the way, you're, yeah, you're coming back next year. <laughs> and that was like one of the worst days of my Red Sox life, because like I said, I knew we were doomed. I hated that guy. Worse than trading Nomar? Admittedly, I was more... Fairweather at that point, that was, you know, I was starting to get more serious because, you know, all my sports heroes, I was a big boxing fan throughout high school. That was my number one sport. I was a big NASCAR fan before that, which is kind of weird. But, um, you know, once all my heroes got done, I mean, Earnhardt was dead and, um, you know, De La Hoya and Trinidad and all those guys were, were getting older. You know, baseball was next, and that was around the time I, I was kind of getting into it. And, um, you know, and I followed the team. Like I said, I was, you know, fair weather. But, um, but I wasn't really worried about the Nomar trade, to be honest with you. I mean, we had Pedro and Schilling, and, and you know, we had the the skirmish with Veritech and, and A-Rod, and I just felt like... You know, the fan base was electric throughout that whole season. And also at the time, I've mentioned this a time or two, I was also a corrections officer, so my my work hours weren't really conducive, you know, for for sports because it was second shift. So 07 was really the year I went really into it, you know, where, you know, to the point where I, I wasn't hardly missing a game. And, and that was a fun season as well. You know, with Beckett and and still Schilling and and uh, Lester was coming up and Buckles, there was no hitter and um, you know that that was a really fun season. But everybody seems to hate that. That ranks number four on everybody's list of favorite World Series. Uh, to me, it's probably it's number two or number three. <laughs> you know, twenty eighteen is last. I hated that team, but but yeah, that's you know, in the past already. Anyway, man, did we get off on a tangent there or mostly by we, I mean, mostly me. Um, yeah. So just a, just a quick thing to, while we're freestyling before we get into JD, finally, 
I'm starting to think there's a slight chance more and more each day Renicky comes back. I I still don't think so. I don't think he's back. No? Okay. I It's not a strong feeling, so... Uh, but he's endearing himself more and more to the fans. I, I see people on social media kind of taking to him more and you know he's likable and the players don't seem to have a problem with him and and yeah so and i don't even know how i feel about the possibility of him coming back but but yeah we'll we'll see um so jd martinez this is another interesting case and we said on the last show that he's really hurt his value I mean, I if the Red Sox were going to get a top 10 prospect, I think they're looking at a top 15 prospect at best as the centerpiece. Maybe there's a mid or lower level guy uh, added in, but I'm a little concerned because he's just not looking good at the plate. Yeah, no video room J.D. Martinez is not a uh, 20-something million dollar year player. He needs that back. Yeah, he does. He needs a bat back it's badly. Yeah, it's bad. It's kind of pathetic almost. It's like you really can't make those adjustments. Hey, man, I, I won't get into the quote, but he puts the trade for him at about 25%. I still think it's much higher because I don't think the Red Sox want his contract. I think he's far more expendable than than a guy like Bogarts. Yeah, the more he scuffles, the more I think he's not opting out, especially if there's a little question about if they're going to bring back the video rooms next year. We don't even know. Um, If I'm a team and I don't know what they're going to do with that, I'm not committing to him. I'm not giving him three years at the rate he probably wants. I don't know. I mean, like I said before with JD, it's very simple. It depends on what you want to do. You want to retool, find a way to bring him back for a couple more years, and then say bye-bye. If you want to say bye-bye sooner and you want to rebuild this team, then fine. Get rid of his contract and see what you can, you know, see what you can get. I just, I got the impression last winter they were hoping he would opt out. Even then. So I don't think any motivation have, has changed. They were hoping that. I mean, they could have signed. They wouldn't have been in tax hell if he had opted out. Yeah, they would have had a lot more flexibility to, you know, maybe take on a, a mid-level pitching contract that was like $15 million or whatever. Or I don't – I'm already spacing on what the market was for uh, free agent starting pitchers, but – but they they could have made a move or, you know, but the goal the whole time could have been just to simply slash payroll to, you know, and especially as the season, you know, got a little sketchier with, with the virus. But, um, yeah, I just, part of me thinks that High and Bloom never wanted to compete anyway this year. And I mean, he could have he could have signed a guy like Taiwan Walker. I think we did have the payroll flexibility for him anyway, because he was only three or four million uh, for the season. And you know, there there were other people that were non tendered like Walker. 
you know, I'm, nobody's picked up Aaron Sanchez, so maybe there's issues there. Boris was aggressively trying to get him onto a team, but but we got stuck with the Matt Halls and the Josh Osiches and and the Kyle Hart's. These were all early moves last winter that Bloom made, and he didn't. He wasn't serious about anybody that could that could give us a, a decent chance to be competitive this year. And I think he was just trying to shed as much payroll as possible and then retool as best as he could over this winter and, and maybe into the next trade deadline next season. Maybe. I mean, you're put into a bad situation when the front office is basically like, well, you can do one of two things. You can either trade Mookie bets or – we let him walk in a year because we're not paying him that type of money. So, I mean, if you were, or if any of the three of us were in that situation, everybody would be looking at us as jerks too for trading a once in a lifetime franchise superstar. So, I mean, there, I don't know how much he really could have done besides that. Yeah, he was walking into a loss. <laughs> there, there's no other way to put it. He was not going to be popular from day one, and he knew it when he took the job. Yeah, I don't think he was even worried about his perception. I just think he came in and and this was going to be the goal. And I guarantee you one of the first conversations he had, whether it was with Kennedy or John Henry or whatever, I think it was like, how can we trade Mookie? (laughs) I think it was like, we want him gone. How can we do it? Who, Who do you want to talk to? Who do you like? I think those were some of the earliest conversations they had with High and Bloom. And I mean, Bloom hasn't even been coy. Even like the first week of the season, he already said he was going to be open-minded towards towards possible trades as the deadline was still a month away. So, I, I I'm not being critical of him. I'm I'm just saying I I don't think he had any intention at all you know, to compete, just being matter of fact about it. Maybe it's just, it's all hindsight. Now it is what it is. The deed's done. And now hopefully this guy is as advertised and can get this Red Sox team competing and contending sooner rather than later. Yeah. We're going to find out. Nathan Avaldi missed a start because he tweaked his calf. Did he really tweak his calf, or is I, this is this posturing? No, I think he probably did. Uh, it's not like they were going to skip him in the rotation. They were just pushing him back a day, and they actually just said he's going to be pushed back another day. They're keeping the Perez tomorrow, so I think Valdi's day is now Sunday. So I think they were giving him time. Um, him to go out there and strain it even worse, especially if one team calls up on Monday because Sunday night they had a pitcher go down and they want to trade him. So I don't, I don't think they wanted to risk anything with him. Yeah, I, I think it was just a, a caution, cautionary thing. That's all it was. Well, I mean, you could be right. You could be right. You know, we can take it for face value, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm not willing to take it at face value, but he's coming off of his best start of the year. You know, gave up one run, handful of hits, pitched seven innings, by the way. We hadn't seen that yet. I, Perez did it a night or two later, but 
that's a that's a very good last start to kind of tell a team that's looking for pitching. You know, be like, well, you know, Evaldi's healthy finally, and he was a, he was a beast in the playoffs for us, and he's looking good right now. I just I don't know. I just feel like they're they're pro- possibly protecting his value a little bit. And and by the way, most of these teams are looking for pitching. I mean, how many teams have maybe outside of the Indians have said, "Man, we really need an outfielder right now." Like that's our top priority. I feel like the top priority is pitching all across the board. It's always going to be pitching. That's how the that's how baseball works. You can never have enough pitching. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You can never have enough pitching. Especially in a year where what is it 90 different pitchers have gone on the DL. Yeah, that's uh it's an epidemic right now, you know. A lot of these guys are are dinged up and yeah, that's – but Nathan Navaldi isn't. So I'm just wondering at this point if he might actually be our, our best trade asset. I mean, maybe – but here's the other thing. Maybe he does go out. Who are we playing this weekend, by the way? Is it Washington? Oh, it is Washington. Yeah, yeah we wrapped the month up with Washington. So that's interesting because if you want to gamble, and I don't know if that's Bloom's personality, but – if you really want to maximize his value, that's a hell of a lineup to throw him in there against. And if he's a stud against the defending champs, that's going to increase his value a little bit more. We'll see what happens. I, I just we'll see. I just don't know. I mean, his last start, pretty good, though. So I'm just throwing it out there. Like I said, I'm just presenting different scenarios. And... Well, see, I, I put a percentage on him right now. I, I know I've been heavy on percentages in recent shows. I think I was 60% he gets moved. I think it's at least that that he gets moved. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say 20. I don't think he does. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't see another team going for him. I think if he was going to get traded, it probably would have been last week at this point to – get as many starts out of him as possible. Um, I, I think we've heard some rumblings by now uh, about him. I yeah, I think teams are wary. I, I really do. I, I don't think he's getting moved. And plus the contract, too. The contract teams aren't going to want to take on, even if it's half. Like, they're not going to want to take that contract on. There's just there's no way. Too many question marks with the Eovaldi. Well, the Red Sox did say they were willing to eat money, and I don't know if that's on a guy like Evaldi who still has two years remaining after this year. Um, you know, maybe that applies more to guys like Pilar, JD, Moreland, you know, people like them. But um, I don't know. I just, I'd be a little surprised. We're, we're doing a deadline show Monday, so th- that's going to be an interesting show. Um, but we'll see. We'll definitely see there. Um, also, Andrew Benintendi, I meant to do a check on him. I, I haven't seen anything recently. Um, I feel like he's definitely getting traded. I mean, if they can get something for him, I'm honestly fine with it. He might need a change of scenery. 
as much as I don't like Zach Plesak, if they ended up doing that deal, I, I'd be fine with it. At this point, I agree. I mean, but the only thing is, is his value going to be that much lower because of the shitty start he had in 2020? I think that, yeah, it's you're not going to get as much. So if you're going to get like a low level prospect, you're better off maybe just keeping him and hoping that his value comes up a little bit more. So that way, in the future, maybe you can make a move. But I think right now, there's just there's not enough value. His value definitely has taken a hit, but I think it can still take another big hit if he just doesn't find it. So, you know, maybe they're, this is another way of them protecting his value. I mean, his injury wasn't bad. I mean, nothing was broken or fractured that I'm aware of. You know, it was a, like a rib contusion or something. But um, I just, I feel like they're just going to hedge on him and, and just move him. And I don't know if he's going to be enough to get, you know, a Zach Plesak type guy, you know, you probably got to throw something else in there too, but, um, you know, maybe Pilar goes with him. That's an attractive package to a team that's hurting for outfielders, but, um, I just, it's just a tough sell to me that, that he's definitely going to be back at this point. And, I think another team will just be so confident in their hitting program that they'll just think they can fix him and and take him and give up something decent. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be the focal point of a worthwhile trade. I think it might be a uh, change of scenery for a change of scenery kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's like the Workman deal. You get... Uh, you know, a double A pitcher that Bloom sees potential in, and you just you just roll with it. Yep, it's pretty much all you can do. Yeah, and so since we mentioned him, uh, Zach Plesac, if the Red Sox were to hypothetically acquire him, what would it cost? I mean, if you want to put Ben and in that package, other stuff has to be the, at least one more significant piece has to be in i don't know how much they'd be willing to give up honestly um they're not going to give up anything that cleveland's going to want from them just racking that brain i mean they need bats young bats is what cleveland needs and obviously left side your infield is out of the question you're stud Verdugo piece is out of the question. So they really don't match up other than if Cleveland wants to take that gamble on just uh, that solo piece in Benintendi. If we're going to be completely honest, I'm not too familiar with Zach Plesek. I'm more familiar with a guy like Mike Clevenger. Now that's a guy that I would, I, I know he had his stuff with COVID earlier this year, but guess what? That's a guy that I would love to have team control, Quality pitcher, I mean, that that's a guy that I would really explore trying to make a move for if you can. I would. I think they'll get outbid, though. I, I think Clevenger's going to be a hot commodity um, if they do make him available. Yeah, you're probably right. And the timing, though, isn't good for a guy like Clevenger because I think he's got two years remaining after the season. So, I mean, if the Red Sox are competitive next year, then, yeah, you know, there could be a fit, but... 
I think they have their eye further into the future, and, and I think Playsack kind of, you know, is is the guy that would be a you know a more ideal target with five years remaining on yep. his deal. Yeah, and they'll they'll get something decent from Clevenger. My other concern with him is is just there's injuries and. Nothing major, but he does seem to end up on the DL for at least a month or so out of the season. So, you know, it'd be a bummer to get a guy that's, you know, especially after dealing with Chris Sale and David Price, you know, on and off the DL quite a bit. IL, I'm never going to get used to that, but. Well, I'm still going to call it the DL. I know. I know. We're getting way too politically correct, you know, when, when you're you know, reaching for that type of stuff. But yeah. Um, one other thing, the Indians probably wouldn't be interested in Vasquez. I wouldn't think because Perez is still around 30, not, not as good offensively, but probably a guy that they like. And I don't know. Or do you guys disagree? Do you think maybe Vasquez could be a fit for them? No, I think that'd be the move. Yeah. Yeah, because I just can't see the Red Sox dealing prospects for a guy like Plesac. I, I think most of their no, prospects. Great prospects right now. Yeah, yeah, most of those guys are untouchable. Yeah. It, who do they have at DH? I, I'm wondering if that's even a fit for Martinez. Is it Santana? Might be. Oh, I thought he was first base, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I honestly don't remember the last time I watched an Indians game. Maybe oh. the World Series. Oh, really? I watched one against the Twins. It was a uh, it was a decent <laughs> pitching duel uh, a few nights ago. I forget who it was. Oh, actually, it was it Bieber. Was, no, it was Savali actually pitching a very good game. He gave up a two run dinger, um, I think, to Miguel Sano, and the, the final score was like two to one. And there's so there's Domingo Santana and Fran Mill Reyes. Oh, Reyes. Reyes is their DH. Yeah. So okay. So cancel JD. Um, Reyes is hitting fairly well, mid to upper two hundreds and average, and I think he's clubbed seven home runs or something like that at this point. That was a surprising trade that um, happened there. That was the three way deal with the Reds and the Padres and. I was just kind of surprised that um, the Padres would would uh, deal someone like him. But, well, all right. I mean, uh, that was uh, everything on my docket. I was going to crap on Dombrowski, you know, and say how horrible he was and how he doesn't have a job in a front office. I know he's working on that Nashville project, and he thinks they might give him a job in their front office, but – they have to get the team in three to four years for that to happen, and by then he'll be seventy. So, um, and he'll be seventy-five by the time they have enough prospects for him to trade away and destroy the next eight years. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine how bad we would be if he were still here? I mean, he's already he's already been fired by Detroit, had three or four decent years with the Red Sox, been fired for over a year. And Detroit still hasn't had a winning record yet. That's how bad he screwed up their system. And, and Mike Illich has died, by the way. Also, let's throw that in there. So, I mean, just, whew, man. I, uh, yeah. 
talk about a bad GM. He could be a consultant. I, I'm sure people will value, you know, maybe that type of role from him. But anyway, uh, any final thoughts? No, I think we're just going to be a uh, full F5 season coming up the next few days uh, and just do that and be on Hug Watch. Monday is going to be fun. Monday is going to be fun. You know, I feel like the last couple of trade deadlines, the two, the second and third day before has really been where the drama was. I, I just feel like, I mean, when was the last trade on the 31st that was epic? I mean, you had Grinky last year go to the Astros, so I guess maybe that's one. And I think Darvish got moved the year before that on the 31st, but... It just seems like they're they're getting them done a little quicker. Johnny Cueto was traded to the Royals in like mid July that year, and you know helped them win a World Series. But yeah, but I do love a good deadline day. So all right, guys, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Okay, all right. We'll uh, we'll be back. I don't know. Uh, let's see. We got two games against the Nationals, so I, I don't know if next week's a Wednesday or a Thursday show. But we'll, pretty sure uh, it's a Wednesday show. Wednesday show. All right. So we'll pretty, be pretty oh, sure. No, I think is, is next week the weird schedule one with uh, the doubleheader. Is that a couple weeks from now? I think that's a couple weeks. Cause I think is they that, got a four game series coming up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I just keep. I'm on like March 185th right now. Everything's just messed. <laughs> Makes yeah. sense. And the you know who knows with the protests, another round of it could happen, or a team could get COVID, and it just it's uh, it's never a dull moment. We haven't had one night where all 30 teams were going to play. It was going to happen the other night, but the Yankees got rained out. So yeah, it's just been who be knows? a lot of doubleheaders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good night, guys. Good show. And uh, I'll be back with you two uh, middle of next week. All right. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Take care. Episode 211 of the Benny and the Bets podcast did a deep dive into a lot of different trade scenarios. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, if the national series goes on like it's supposed to, we'll be back to cover that with Charlie and Jason on Sunday. And then we're going to have a bonus trade recap show to discuss anything that went down on the 31st. So, um, look forward to that. Next week's going to be very busy on the podcast. So have a good rest of your week. Keep an eye on the trade rumors, and uh, we'll be back with you before you know it. Take care.